Welcome to Welcome Behind to the, the Paranormal. second broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Here on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM. Streaming live at onworldwide.com, tunein.com, and the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. We're coming to you with a live audience today from the 2022 Exeter UFO Festival in beautiful Exeter, New Hampshire. The event is organized by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. Okay, Ben is with us, of course, but he's backstage managing our uh, remote hookup with the WO1 studios in Rhode Island today. But it's question time for the impressive panel of speakers we have with us, and I'll pass the microphone so they can all introduce themselves as briefly as they can. Hi, my name is Bron- uh, <laughs> my name is Mac Maloney. I'm the host of Mac Maloney's Military X Files show. I'm Lois Lane, someone who appears sometimes on the Mac Maloney Military X Files show. Uh, Commander Cobra, wingman to the Mac Maloney's Military X Files. Valerie Lafasso, I am an author and empathic medium. Mike Stevens, founder of Granite Sky Services. Matt Loney's Spooky South Coast Radio Show and Interspace TV. Peter Robbins, investigative writer, author, and researcher. Kathleen Martin, author, UFO contact investigator, uh, and on-camera commentator. Thank you. Jennifer Stein, I'm a documentary filmmaker, a speaker, and a MUFON State Section Director. And I'm Bob Terrio, independent video producer and UFO researcher for many years. Okay, uh, we have a question from the audience, and uh, you may proceed. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm here, but no one else in my family has any interest in giving up their Labor Day weekend to be here. And we're all here. Um, so some of my friends believe this is an exercise in futility. they got to pay their rent. they got to go to work. How does it affect them? Now, I know there are experiencers. I can understand that. There are some investigators that believe if anyone's here, we've all had an experience we don't remember, maybe. That's why we're here. So I don't know. But... What can we do to unite to break through this um, this barrier like Peter Robbins talked about with the media? And we did have a president that talked about fake news, uh, but no breakthrough occurred. And we had the, the New York Times. So the, I guess the question is, is there something that we can unite ourselves about to make a breakthrough with all this? We have all the inter, independent media. So it is a great Wild West now that we can get out there and be more vocal, like on this radio show. So I guess the question is, what can we do to unite us more to break through this barrier of ridicule and skepticism and uh, have more people in our family understand this and know it's not just, oh, it's advanced technology. I texted my brother during the show today, oh, it's just advanced technology that we're not aware of yet. So that's the idea. What can we do to unite to break through? Now, do you have any particular speaker in mind, or should we just pass the oh, mic? Oh, up for grabs, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll start with Mac Maloney. 
And please, when you receive the, the microphone, announce who you are. Okay. Uh, Mac Maloney. Um, it's, a, it's a tough question. It's just something that, you know, we've talked about and thought about for a long time. Because the way that the media, let's say the um, you know, CNN, the broadcast networks, for some reason, uh, they still handle it in a way to, um, with the ridicule factor somehow attached. I think things like that are changing a little bit, but not very quickly. I do know this, that TV networks um, can be swayed by 100 letters, you know, because they don't get very many letters. So if, if there was some kind of an organization or organizing effort that, you know, we could just bombard CNN and other network news uh, with uh, requests to do more UFO stories, not crazy UFO stories, but actual scientific stories on UFOs, what they are, and so on. I think that's how to do it. Just, you know, barrage them with a, a lot of emails, demanding this, asking for it, and I think eventually they would do it. Uh, Commander Cobra, it's a great question. I was very fortunate. I grew up in a household uh, with uh, a dad that was just absolutely consumed in the 60s with this uh, phenomena. Uh, he wanted to understand more. So the house was filled with magazines and, and paperbacks of the period of every flavor. Some of it was good initial research. Others was absolutely just it should have been fiction, but entertaining, good stuff. Uh, as Max says, we, we have the greatest two-edged sword uh, at our disposal. That's the internet. You can email. You can uh, you can look. You can compare and contrast. You can look at videos. You can conclude this looks realistic and try to find out if it's true. Um, but you can also engage with other people. The other portion that I would say that uh, is is absolutely phenomenal. Aside from uh, gatherings like this. Uh, I met Mac because Mac put his address in the back of early books that I read of his. That's how we uh, formed a friendship. M more years than he wants me to comment on stage. Uh, it was like a, a year ago, uh, and he was a kid when we uh, made contact. Um, but in general, you can reach out to a number of the people that are on this stage and others that have done that, and they have ways of communicating with you almost directly by email and other ways. That's a great way to get ground truths that you can share with other people because that's what's going to convert some of your family members to say this this is the, the key or there's something that's really interesting here. Valerie, and I think one thing that we can do is continue to think for ourselves and encourage other people in our lives to think for themselves and not allow media and these so-called influencers to tell us how to think, what to think, and why to think. You know, I think so many people in this room who are experiencers say, well, everybody says this doesn't exist, but I know what I experienced, and I know it was real. We have to hold on to that. Think for ourselves, encourage other people to make up their own minds, and have these conversations openly and curiously, and try not to judge others. Uh, Mike Stevens, I don't know if we really need to, um, and one way it would help make it easier for people who do believe, but I think it's better off to just stay grassroots, uh, waste, don't waste our energy on people who aren't going to change their minds no matter what, and just focus on the people who know it's real and need help dealing with it. 
Matt Moniz, and uh, I'm also a guest contributor to Ben and Paulino's show. Uh, my other show has been on air for 17 years, and in that time, we've watched the media slowly change, not just media like as in radio profile, but also television, and more importantly, the Internet. The Internet has definitely become a pipeline for information. Unfortunately, it works both ways, good information and bad information. But the key thing that it has helped is being able to connect people, being able to connect people that otherwise would not have been able to connect before. So you can talk to somebody else on the other side of the country or the other side of the planet if you wanted to, and you have a better flow of information. And the more you can flow information between each other, the faster you can get to an answer. Peter Robbins, uh, great question and very insightful answers. I'll expand on what my friend Matt just said. First, when you're engaging with somebody, like our question is family, and a perfect question, remember to respect their view for starters. And to them, it makes perfect sense. And in fact, to a great degree, they may be correct. A a very fair amount of what is seen in more modern times as UFO phenomena is us, not them. At the same time, make your arguments with respect. Yes, you know, you're right. A great deal of what we're seeing now could be that. But that wouldn't have been the case in 1947 or 1957. And an appreciation of history, you know, um, just understanding, for example, in short sentences, the story I just laid out of how we all got snoggered, our grandparents, our parents, into believing something very silly about a very serious phenomena. And lastly, how behind their arguments, their rationales, their beliefs, may lay a very understandable wall of anxiety, something that many of us have passed through as we've educated ourselves about this. If this is true, everything that I thought I knew is now open to question. I would rather make you wrong than open that door. I think that it's important to let people know that there have recently been congressional hearings on UFOs that were televised and uh, perhaps we'll have more of those to inform the general public that there is soft disclosure being brought forth, uh, just trickling forth. And the history of government involvement in all of this has been uh, to test the public's response. When there is public hysteria, they've tended to pull back in the past. So they're doing this very slowly and carefully in order not to alarm the general public and giving only a very limited amount of information. The Defense Intelligence Agency has scientists who are studying all of this and has recently uh, made a Freedom of Information Act Uh, disclosures of information that they have collected. I showed a little bit of that in my lecture yesterday. Uh, And also the U.S. Navy 
has released video. Uh, you can find that on uh, YouTube, for example. So there's been a great deal of information if your friends are interested in learning what the government uh, has released about that or different agencies within the government. Uh, but, you know, many people are troubled by this. They're very apprehensive and they don't want to know because uh, they think that it might uh, induce fear. Uh, the fear factor has been very strong over the past 70 years. And uh, so some people, I think, just need to be left alone and will feel more comfortable not being aware of what is occurring. I'm uh, Jennifer Stein, documentary filmmaker and uh, MUFON State Section Director. I, too, have asked the same question. Uh, many people who get in Mu involved in MUFON wonder how are we going to help change the tide. And I think what we all have to do as individuals is what I had to do as an individual. I had to accept the fact that I had a real sighting, that I wasn't alone when I had it. I had more than one sighting. And I had to decide what I was going to believe and not believe. So that was a process of doing my own homework, doing my own research, going to conferences, inviting speakers to present in my own local library in Philadelphia, which I did. I started a group called Mainline MUFON, and I was at it for almost 20 years now. And it was a great education for me. So I sort of answer that question by saying, as individuals, we need to take back our own personal power and decide what we think and not let other people influence us inappropriately. I'm Bob Terrio, video producer. Uh, I've been following this whole topic for 50 years or more, and I've been encouraged seeing it, the, the evolution going from back when I was a kid. There were a few movies out. There were some books and comic books and a few things, but it, it was generally considered science fiction and not taken uh, seriously. But now I've, I've seen the evolution over the years where now we you can go on Netflix, Amazon Prime, you can go on your cell phone, and Google these topics, and there are literally thousands of, you know, well-made documentaries and and sites uh, that the, the information is there. So it's really it, it needs a change in consciousness, and I think it's slowly creeping into the the standard media. Uh, the TV stations are not laughing as much about it as they used to, and it's it's been a slow evolutionary process. And everybody on this stage has been part of that process. We, we come to these conventions and we write books and we try to present what we've learned. So it really is, I, like I said, I've been encouraged by seeing the, the slow evolution. And I, I think it's coming to the point where this will become more accepted by more people in the world than, than those people who find it uh, yeah, something to laugh at. Uh, thank you to all our speakers, and I should mention that we have three occasional guest co-hosts of our show here before we take the next question. 
Valerie LaFasso, Matt Moniz, and Kathy Mark. So our uh, listeners have uh, heard them before. So, thank you. So we will take the next question. I believe you are Alex. Yes, my name is yes. Alex J. Boros. I'm a resident of Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, thank you, entire panel. This question is directed towards the whole panel, not towards anyone specifically. I'm interested in the political aspect of this or how this may apply politically. It's um, I, I, I come to this question as, a, as an experiencer myself. I've, I've had a number of sightings, and one of them involved a, a, for lack of a better word, a psychic component where I psychically sensed the UAP or UFO before seeing it. Um, I'm wondering, given the environmental aspect or environmental consciousness on the part of some of the ETs who, who if, for example, an abductee has uh, visions given to them by ETs about, you know, environmental concerns and trying to be a better steward of Mother Earth, um, I'm wondering if, if, if you can foresee, uh, this is, again, I guess a general question to the whole panel, a time when it will be considered a, an asset rather than a liability for a political candidate running for office, whether at the state or federal level, to be open about their interest in, as well as perhaps their personal experience as an experiencer regarding uh, the UFO subject, et cetera. So, Basically, can you foresee a time in the near future where it would be considered, instead of a liability, an asset for a political candidate to have these kinds of interests and concerns? Thank you. Okay, we'll begin at the beginning. Well, I think it would um, be a great thing if some politician, uh, let's say on the national stage, came out and said, you know, let's stop looking into UFOs um, and and takes a stand on it and, and sticks with that. Conventional politics is probably um, not at the point right now to accept that. But I'm going to say within the next five to ten years, I think that they will. I think a lot of things are happening now. Uh, We're going to talk about it later on this afternoon, but just the government's recent, you know, putting together a committee to look into UFOs. NASA is now looking into UFOs. The James Webb Telescope might really show us stuff that we've never seen before. So I think it's slowly changing, but it would take a politician of on a, of national stature to come out and say, let's really look at these things, I think, to do away completely with the ridicule level. Uh, Commander Cobra from McMillan's Military Xbox. Great question. I have to tell you, Alex, uh, Rochester is one of my favorite towns in the, in the entire world. I don't live too far from outside there. Um, two things. Last night we had a, a, a gathering of folks that wanted to meet us before we uh, came on stage, and a similar type question was brought up last night, and that gave me plenty of time to think about it on the drive home. If you're looking for candidates, I don't need them so much to tell me that they're interested in this phenomena or anything else, but I do want to get an understanding that they have an open mind that they're going to look at everything before they draw a conclusion. And I think that's why we're in the mess that we find ourselves in frequently, because we, we come in with a conclusion, and then we pick the facts that we want to fit that conclusion. And, and, and if you're a, uh, 
uh, a supporter or a uh, quote-unquote believer, we sometimes are guilty of doing that ourselves. We, we don't, we will reject things not fairly and, and give it a fair airing. So that's one part of it. The other part is, I, I like Mac, think probably, in, I can't imagine we go much more than five years before uh, the next piece of conclusive disclosure comes out to explain some of what people have experienced, talked about, researched. I, I can't imagine it holds much longer than that. I take a, a dimmer view that I see most of this is a control kind of thing that people who are aware or uh, have a, uh, a good understanding of it enjoy the position and the uh, the authority, the power, the control that it allows, so they're reluctant to give that up. Uh, that's, uh, I think, uh, kind of the, one of the darker sides of our nature. So I think that that's probably uh, those, that's going to loosen its grip, but it has no choice. Um, and it may be, again, a remark that was made last night, uh, what kind of an alien would you like to meet? And Peter and I both agreed that uh, I, I want the Michael Ramey day the earth stood still moment because there's no question when something like that happens that anybody can explain it away. You, you have a very uh, public, very well-documented experience. It goes out, it gets carried, and now we have to move on. You know, you have to have that. It's going to be a leap and not a step. And I, I hope that maybe that's uh, how we work our way out of it. Uh, Mike Stevens, I don't think it would matter. I think, I mean, we'd all be happy, but it's their job. Um, there's got to be a lot more qualifications. I'm not picking somebody because they believe in UFOs or don't. I wouldn't hire an electrician who believed in UFOs but did, you know, very bad, poor work. And I, I don't see this as any different. Uh, you, there's, it's one factor of their personal life, but I don't see that for this position it would really matter all that much. Matt Moniz, I try not to get into political things because you basically alienate half your audience if you pick one side or another. Um, but I do think it is a topic that can be bipartisan, for sure. I, it's something that both both parties, whether you be this side or that side, would agree is significant to to the people. Now, if you're making decisions on like what Mike said, oh, they, this per person believes in it and this one doesn't. Well, you're not doing the rest of your uh, community a service. You know, you have to look at everything a particular politician is saying and make your judgments based on their entirety. All right? Uh, to focus in on a part of this question that um, interests me most, we are in the most fractious moment in the history of this country in 170 years. I don't think anybody would disagree that people are at each other's throats and we live in a culture that is almost encouraging disagreement. One of the few <clears throat> positive subjects that has come up in the last years that people with decidedly opposing political views can agree on and now have permission to do it without being made fun of to a greater and greater degree is the significance of the reality of truly anomalous UFO phenomena and its implications for humanity and that we should do all we can to encourage our elected officials, Republican, Democrat, right, left, it matters not, to continue 
to persevere in this way. Uh, emblematic for me are Marco Rubio of Florida and Kirsten Gillibrand of my home state of New York, ideologically completely opposite and absolutely united on truly wanting to know more for themselves and their constituents on the reality of this subject. All one need do is call their office, encourage them to take it seriously. It can also bring us together on this point with people who we disagree with massively politically, but have the basis for a working relationship for, even a friendship. Common ground. Bingo. Kathleen Martin. This reminds me uh, of the time when it was a presidential election and Dennis Kucinich (laughs) was campaigning. And I think that uh, someone intentionally introduced the information that while he was visiting Shirley MacLaine, he had a UFO sighting. And uh, the American public just started to roll their eyes, and he very rapidly lost support. And, you know, it's, it's really difficult to watch that kind of thing occurring, regardless of what party you're in. Now, I'm hoping that that is changing because, as Peter uh, mentioned, uh, Senator Marco Rubio from Florida introduced uh, into the economic bill, uh, which was passed, that uh, the government would indeed uh, research this, investigate UFOs, and determine whether or not they were real, the characteristics So that was a big step forward, and he has not been ridiculed as far as I know. Jennifer Stein, um, filmmaker. I would comment that this is a large existential question, just beyond political parties of, say, in our country, Democrat or Republican. No one country wants to have its allegiance of its citizens be deterred from their own country, like Americans or French or Canadians. Those countries want those people to identify with their allegiance. If we start to identify ourselves as earthlings, right, with an allegiance to the planet, then it becomes an issue, a large existential issue of where is our social rule and order. So you you can take this out to infinity and back again, but I think we just have to use common sense and realize that um, it is an issue, it is coming to the forefront, and hopefully eventually in the future political candidates will not be ridiculed for this and will be able to move forward in an error of education and freedom. Bob Terrio again. Uh, I think people have been paying attention over the last few years have seen that other countries, Canada, countries in Europe, Brazil, have released uh, information about um, UFO, the existence of UFOs and activities in their countries. So a lot of countries outside of the United States have taken those steps and the politicians uh, to some degree, have spoken out. Um, so my view right now is, with the with the big mess that our political situation is in this country, I, I don't see that 
politicians and politics having a certain level. What they need to do is regain a, a level of respect, ability, and they have to stop playing these games and they have to stop treating politics like a sporting event. That we've got to, we've got to. <laughs> and and at that and at that point, when they start, if they come out and say, "Okay, this is real," and I'll I'll have a little more respect and believe what they say. And I think that needs to happen. Thank you, everyone. Now, uh, I don't want to hold up our uh, line of questions here, but I have to mention a communication from a man who was a phenomenon in himself, Peter William Shelley of Bogota, Colombia, who uh, was sends in excellent questions every week to the point we became friends, and he is now a guest co-host of the show now and then. He said, it already happened. Gabriel Green in 1960 ran for president. Green ran with contactee Dan Fry. He doesn't mention how many votes the guy got. But Green was the head of the Amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America. Any of us old-timers, that, that, that brings back memories. So there we are. So our next questioner, please. Hi. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, so most of the Earth is covered by water. And the Atlantic is our next-door neighbor. And the movie The Deep comes to mind. Uh, so my question to you is, what, and I don't really hear a lot about it, but what kind of current research uh, is being done on underwater UFOs? Because I, I really don't hear a lot about that. Okay, uh, before I do that, I'm going to do this, just the ID here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM, 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. We, we, today we are not... We are in the live mode here with a great live audience at the Exeter UFO Festival 2022, and we will continue with our discussion with the speakers. So to answer the gentleman's question, we'll start with Mac Maloney. Thank you. Um, so the question was UFOs underwater. There's a lot of instances, right? There's a lot of instances down, uh, especially down in the Bahamas, especially down where um, uh, the Navy has its own secret base in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle, Artech. Uh, thank you, Colin. And um, it's also, you know, in that area, it's, there's a lot of vacations, there's a lot of people out in the water and stuff, and they see not only UFOs going into the water and leaving, but they also see them uh, moving under the water in ways that just don't seem to make sense, you know, in our laws of physics. In other words, moving very, very fast as if there's no... Um, you know, there's nothing stopping them. It's like they're, they're moving through air, not water. So there's a lot of instances down there, a lot of instances off the island of Santa Catalina, off of California. Traditional, you know, people have been seeing things there for years. So there's a good chance. I mean, I think there's a good chance that UFOs, if they're hiding from us on Earth, that they're, you know, in the ocean. The only thing I'll add from kind of a military perspective is, um, water is uh, many magnitudes more difficult to operate and detect in. That's why we have a, a great deal of our uh, undersea uh, warfare capability is so critical uh, to national security from the, just from the stealth aspect of, of not having to have a very stealthy vehicle to, to do those kinds of things. Um, what Mac alludes to, 
there is more mounting evidence that has become public of uh, abilities to uh, shape around uh, a vessel a, uh, a containment field that allows you to move and not only move at great speed but not be very detectable. That's the other part of it. You, you, if you move fast, it is capable, but it's a huge amounts of energy and then it becomes a, a very visible type uh, event. So uh, it's, a, it's a great barrier. It's very difficult. Uh, air, land was where we spend uh, most of our time. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, if uh, we are encountering or, uh, or have uh, extraterrestrial uh, folks with us, and I don't have any doubt that we do, uh, using a water medium with advanced technology is probably right in their wheelhouse. And I would be very intrigued with some things because of the acidity and the types of things uh, that I've dealt with over my life out at sea for a great deal of it, um, things just corroding and, and, and losing power out of jet engines and, and causing fatigue and metal and to that kind of situation. So it doesn't surprise me, and it doesn't surprise me that we don't know much about it. Uh, but it is very interesting, no pun intended, what bubbles to the top uh, for occasionally when things just do get so, uh, that slip out into the public on it. Matt Moniz, you may want to check out books by a guy named Preston Dennett, who uh, wrote several books about USOs or under underwaters or unidentified submerged objects. One of the m means in which they are supposedly uh, operating, under the, uh, operating under the ocean is ultrasonic. We are now currently using that type of technology for fast torpedoes. What you do is you generate an ultrasonic uh, noise underwater, creates a bubble vacuum, and you're pushing through air rather than water medium. But, as he said before, that creates detection problems. So we know we have the ability to move high speed through water. They're using something a little bit different than us. You know, uh, hopefully that helps answer your question. Um, this has always intrigued me and the thought that if a machine of advanced design and technology can be created to move through unlimited amounts of space that it's probably waterproof and can go under the water just fine. Um, I think one of the first books ever written on this subject remains one of the best. Ivan Sanderson's Invisible Residence. Written in the early 70s, Sanderson began his career as a uh, biologist involved in um, the lives of larger mammals and became a great contributor to the world of paranormal studies, a great writer, a great rationalist, who cites case testimony, much of it from Navy and credible uh, seafaring individuals, that um, still runs through my head and makes this a very important issue to address. Kathleen Martin. Uh, this brings to mind... Uh, information that was, has been released by our Defense Intelligence Agency through the OSAP classified program and uh, the ATIP declassified program of uh, transmedium craft who, that can travel just as efficiently through the air and underwater, and I would add in space as well. 
there has, over many, many years, been reports uh, of UFOs, now called UAPs, uh, ascending out of the water, hovering over craft, uh, entering the water again. Uh, the earliest report that I found when I was doing some research on this was back in the mid-1800s. And there was a family out fishing, and a craft ascended out of the ocean and hovered over their boat and then shot off. And, uh, of course, the family was terrified and uh, stopped fishing for the day and immediately returned to port. But this was happening. This kind of technology was being used here in the 1800s. We didn't have that technology. Bob Terrio, uh, there's a recent book by Carl Feint, F-E-I-N-D-T, uh, about underwater UFOs, and he spoke at our local MUFON meeting several years ago. Um, also, we know a fellow, uh, Joe Foster, in New Jersey, who was in the Navy, and he had several sightings while he was in the Navy, one of which was on a ship that I believe was in the Pacific, and the ship was basically stopped. It was a hot day, and some of the sailors were kind of swimming around in the ocean. And he said a giant circular craft came up from the depths, came very close to the surface near where they were swimming, freaked everybody out, and hundreds of the sailors saw this. And it was undoubtedly a craft not of our making, the way it maneuvered and the size and the shape of it. Uh, thank you, Walla. And I might add something to that. Uh, in 1984, sorry about the sorry, with live radio, you can't beat it. But uh, <clears throat> 1984, I was deployed aboard the Coast Guard Cutter Chase in the uh, Caribbean Sea area, and uh, we put into San Juan. And I happened to, um, I, I would double dip paranormal and military at the same time. You could, you could do that then. I never got in trouble for it. But a member of the Puerto Rican legislature told me, he took me to his house. He told me that he had had a uh, cookout going on the previous year. And he, had, he and his whole family were sitting there. And, and a glowing object came up out of the water within a quarter mile of his house, took off into the sky. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, the commander mentioned AUTEC. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but I was involved in an AUTEC exercise between our, our cutter, the Chase, and the USS Haler destroyer. Can you talk a little bit about AUTEC without getting us arrested? Um, on uh, our Mac show, we like to refer to AUTEC as the Navy's Area 51, and it's really what it does. And it also kind of lends to the, uh, the discussion that we're having here. It's uh, a very unique area in the Bahamas. It has the depth uh, to allow for uh, experimentation and measurement and then testing in the form like the exercises, what you're talking about, for undersea. And I've forgotten the uh, complete acronym, but it's an undersea uh, uh, technical evaluation center, if I remember correctly. Um, very uh, interesting place to go to. Uh, unfortunately, all the times I'm there, I've never got to see anything really interesting that I can't talk with, that I wouldn't be able to talk about here. But you know, give you that cute look, and and, and everyone would say, "Oh, he get the wink." Now, I, it's it's been rather dull for me when I've been through there. 
and usually it was uh, just a stop with the, the helicopter to get to uh, a ship like Paul's to uh, to do work off of or coming back uh, out of that area. But it does uh, fall into other categories of these undersea research and uh, testing areas. Um, and wherever they're at, there seems to be activity that always follows. Uh, off the uh, west coast uh, in the Pacific, we have that same uh, kind of area that's been talked about for years. But uh, we also have a very interesting research facility from World War II in Idaho in a lake. And the reason that it's in a lake in Idaho is because they were worried about the technology being attacked uh, during the war. So they said, we're going to go to this very deep lake in Idaho. And it's some of the most advanced nuclear research for undersea warfare and technology is, is still worked on there uh, because of that part of the world, which is just up the road from Dugway, which is one of the Max and I's favorite places to talk about because of all the interesting activity and research that goes on there as well. So none of this happens by accident, in my opinion, and Autech is just one of those places that the, the Air Force has a lot of really nice, uh, uh, shiny, attention-getting kind of stuff. You get to the Coast Guard and the Navy, and <laughs> it gets... I see a Navy vet in the audience. He knows exactly where I'm going with this. Um, it, you're, you're scraping rust and you're putting paint on stuff and you're trying to keep it going and your base is out at sea. It's not uh, at a nice place like here in New Hampshire with a golf course. You're, you're out to sea and then you go to port calls and get in trouble. Um, so it's, it, you can have a lot of really interesting things going on and you just don't have people are going to see very much of it. Okay, let's get to our next uh, very patient questioner. Hi. Go ahead, sir. Hi, my name's Phil Migat. I'm an ex-Air Force pilot that was trained in reconnaissance, of flying objects and things on the ground. In the early 1980s, I was driving home near Goshen, uh, New Hampshire, and I saw something that was definitely not an airplane. It was, uh, and I, I was on a dirt road, and my mind, of course, went back to Barney Hill, and Betty, and I thought, oh, no. But... To make a long story short, I got home and I was actually able to talk to the Pease Air Force Base control tower on the telephone, which was pretty amazing. And I reported what I saw, and they said, thank you very much for calling. Yes, we have been tracking that. And I said, what is it? And they said, we don't know. And they hung up. So my question is... Has anybody in the panel talked to anybody or themselves in a real-time situation where a government, either military or FAA, has admitted that they're tracking things that are unknown objects? Uh, who'd like to tackle that one? Mac? Okay. Uh, Mac Maloney, there's, there's a number of uh, instances, you know, just throughout UFO history where they've seen things on radar and they don't know what they are. Uh, civilian air traffic controllers, for sure. I don't think any military, uh, anyone in the military is ever going to admit that they were tracking something that they didn't know what it was, especially over this country. I think it would be just a hard get. I'd love to get together with you at the, uh, at the end of this to, to compare notes and find out what you flew. Um, I've had a couple of instances myself. Uh, everything that I saw in one particular case was actually reclaimed Soviet, then Soviet technology that we were operating in the United States. And it was a very, uh, uh, very classified program at the time. It was designed to give our pilots 
the opportunity to fly against actual Soviet equipment um, so that they knew what they were going to encounter if they entered combat with it. So that, that the uh, Red Eagles was the name of the uh, squadron that actually did that work. And you can imagine the levels of security that were on that because of how those aircraft got here, um, the fact that we were operating, and, and, and the advantage that that was creating. Um, it doesn't surprise me occasionally when you do make the phone call and you get to someone and they give you a very honest answer. Um, uh, that's probably the nightmare of every security person that's out there. You know, that's why you usually have scripts of what you're supposed to answer and you're not supposed to get to the call. And I know if you got me at 3 o'clock in the morning when I was standing watch someplace, you're going to probably get a pretty honest answer as well as I'm hanging up the phone. So it doesn't surprise me that that occurred. Um, the only thing that I've encountered since the military, and I've been uh, off active duty almost as long as I was in, um, I have had uh, a couple events, and now with technology, you are able to find out that something was there, and you have ability to track down a little bit more information about it. Um, I think that that might be one of the things that's going to kind of crack things open, where um, you now have everyone from the uh, lowest enlisted member to the highest uh, of the officer grades, almost everyone has a cell phone. And as Mac likes to say, with the technology and the capabilities to make world-class documentaries in your hand uh, and put them on the Internet almost as quickly as you finish up the project. That may be something that, that uh, puts all that together. A screenshot of someone taking their phone and, and showing something that's going on that just completely de defies anything else that's going on. So if we get a chance, let's connect up. Matt Moniz, um, I live right outside of uh, Otis Air Force Base, and we get sightings all the time. And I try calling into the base. What they do is they ask for your name, your location, time, what direction, and then they say, thank you, we'll look into that, and then they just hang up. Okay, lively discussion. Okay, uh, we have a, um, a guest, or I should say a visitor. Who, or, or that, oh, you should be up here. What do you? I know, I missed it. Well, come on up. Yeah. Oh, well, it's uh, Lynn Nickerson, everybody. Yep. Thank you. <clears throat> well, okay, okay. All right. I'll give you my question first. Actually, we were having a discussion last night, and um, we are talking about disclosure. So to elaborate on that, I'd like to make a comment and then get uh, further comments from the panel. Can could you hear me? Could you just slow down a little bit? Uh, to That's get fine. further comments from the panel, I'm going to make a comment about disclosure and its difficulty. Um, last night, this discussion indicated that, is it, that disclosure was very lineal, but it's not. It's not a simple thing. Um, there are... There are many no problem. races. Everything's fine. Yeah, it's my position. <laughs> there are many races that are interacting with us. It's not just a couple. There are some benevolent, there are some that are neutral, and there are some more menacing. <clears throat> so my comment is you, you can't develop a blanket solution for dealing with all of this interference. So... Um, a way to circumvent it, I don't know, but I'd like to have a comment from other people as to maybe approach how to tell the American people or how to tell the world 
that these things are out there, that they're coming here for our resources. As Peter said, they're coming here with impunity. They're slipping in, they're slipping out. And that they're using us. That's some of them, but some of them are neutral or some of them are, are beneficial, as in the, the Galactic Federation that we are in association with. So I guess my comment is people could elaborate on uh, an approach to dealing with this disclosure that would be all-encompassing so that people can understand. Okay, any of the uh, other panelists want to uh, comment? Uh, Valerie? I just wanted to, to comment on that, um, that, so I've been doing my empath group for eight years, monthly almost, um, almost every month. I've met a lot of empaths, and if, if you've done any research on it, you go to 30 traits of an empath, and you're like, yes, we all have most of those traits. Yet, we are all very different empaths, and that's just one little group of people that I've done a lot of work with. Everybody in this room is so different and reacts to things so differently, responds to things differently. I don't know that there is a blanket solution because we are all so different and different things will touch us in different ways. So I think that's going to be a really big challenge for us to try to find a way to universally get everybody to accept it. But if other people have ideas on how that could be done, I would love to hear it as well. Matt Moniz. Um, I think the first thing for acceptance is you're going to have to admit that there's something happening. We're, we're taking the first steps to that now. Best bet, put, it, put all the cards on the table. Wh whatever you've collected government-wise or what, what have you, put it out on the table for other people to look at. Because once you've got it all out on the table, then hopefully the better minds are able to look at it and then come up with a better solution. You can't make a decision with only half the pieces of information if you want to make the right decision. Kathleen Martin. Uh, we have multifaceted disclosure. Everyone on this panel today is involved in disclosure in different ways. The media is involved. Uh, former military officers are involved in speaking out regarding uh, the reality of UFOs. So uh, Ralph Blumenthal, who spoke yesterday uh, in, through the New York Times and through Vanity Fair, uh, have uh, given a bit of disclosure to mainstream America. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'm afraid we are almost out of time. So thank you for the questioners who have lined up, but we'll have to take it to next year. Um, all right. So um, I want to thank everyone. And can we get uh, Ben out here for just a minute to say thank you for all his great work? Okay, we usually have uh, announcements at the end, but uh, 
Hear the recording of this show, which should be up within 48 hours at BehindTheParanormal.com and all the major podcast platforms worldwide. As I say, we're going to be put, posting a link to the TV production that has been made by Exeter TV, and we thank them for all their hard work. And uh, uh, many thanks uh, also to the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club, especially uh, Brian Stahl, Bob Cox, Mike Stevens, and the folks from Granite Sky Services for the great work they're doing here this weekend. And you can visit our show website at BehindTheParanormal.com where you can find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and much more about our 15, nearly 15 years on the air and our four-and-a-half run, year run on CBS radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Just about everybody on the panel here has been on shows in the past, uh, solo, and you can look back through the archives, all almost 1,000, well, there are over about 1,100 shows now, including special shows, to find out if you're interested in their subjects and to listen to them. We also point out some charities. Of course, you're here supporting the children's charities in the Exeter area through the great uh, efforts of the Kiwanis Club here. But uh, we have a webpage with several charities, too, including usacares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. We know the people who run these charities, and we are very, very careful about what we uh, support on the show. So for next week, we bring you an open line show to answer listener questions, nice and simple for Ben and me, uh, on all sorts of paranormal subjects. And uh, I've still got a few minutes. Okay, I'm going to start with um, one question that, that I sort of had. Where do we go from here? I'll, I'll, we'll have time maybe for one answer. Who wants to answer that? Peter, Kathy, Valerie? Where does the field go from here? A lot of things happening. You haven't answered any questions. So, okay, I'll give you Lynn Nickerson. Thank you. Um, I think people should start educating themselves. I think they have to start reading. Go in the direction of your intuition, whatever aspect of the paranormal or the extraterrestrial area um, interests you. Go for it. And then you'll be exposed to different links, different authors, Find out the information, then you'll be armed with information, and then you can approach it from there. I mean, knowledge is power. Anybody else? I agree with her. <laughs> I'm going to take the words of Churchill. When you find yourself in hell, keep moving. You, you can't stop on this issue. You have to keep looking, you have to keep thinking, and you have to keep connecting with folks that are interested in it. Well, the commander stole my thunder because here we go with our, we always end the show with a quote, as you know. And um, this, is, this one is from our old uh, friend, the old darling Albert Einstein. Imagination is more important than knowledge. I'm Paul Eno. Ben is in the back. We thank all our great speakers. And uh, thanks for joining us on our 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yes. We, I never get this right. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal.
Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.